0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Caregiver Coffee Chat podcast. And y'all, I am so excited that I have my guest with me today, Christine Hortzman. Christine is an author, a mom, an entrepreneur, and she is someone who battles motherhood and chronic illness. How do you do both? Um, I personally have two, I, like I've shared before, I have two chronic illnesses, um, IBS and hypothyroidism. So I have my own struggles too. And I'm a caregiver for my epileptic husband. So that's a mouthful in and of itself, but <laughs> I really haven't had anybody on, well, I've had a few people, but I was really excited to have Christine on because she's an author. So she has tips and hacks that she could share with y'all. And then also to just um, she's a mom. And so how do you navigate the stressful marathon journey of motherhood when you yourself are chronically ill, or, and if you are in a caregiving situation, like him? how do you do that? And so this episode is going to be jam-packed full with some of our best tips and hacks for navigating this journey. So Christine, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So Christine, for people who may not be following you on social media or have read your book, tell us a little bit more about who Christine Hortzman is.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm a career and life coach and a corporate trainer. And then of course I wrote my book during the pandemic. That was my pandemic project, partly because I don't lead with my chronic illness in my day-to-day work as a coach or as a trainer. I focus a lot on soft skills and emotional intelligence, but I wanted to share a little bit more about my story because I feel like one of the reasons why I have certain strengths as a coach and a trainer comes out of my journey with chronic illness. And as a caregiver, my son also has a genetic disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Some people may have heard of it, Um, but it causes a lot of fatigue. It impacts his immune system. And he has dyslexia, dysgraphia, and uh, ADHD. So he's had his own journey too. And that was one of the big challenges when he was young was when I was really in the throes of um, the worst time period of my chronic illness and trying to navigate all of this I had to reinvent myself several times of trying to figure out how do I still be me and a mom take care of myself my family my son but still feel like myself right that can be what's part of really difficult about the journey and then fast forward into the pandemic As a career coach, there was so much job loss, right? Um, Especially at the very beginning of the pandemic. And I found myself sharing lessons I had learned through my own journey with a lot of clients, uh, family and friends even. That job loss, like the loss of health, can put you into this crisis of who am I? Who am I when I'm no longer this label any longer? And we get a lot of our self-confidence From our jobs, and so when that's Mm -hmm. taken away, it can be really challenging, and it can be easy to lose that self-confidence when you're dealing with chronic illness, or you're isolated as a caregiver, and you're no longer able to participate in all the things that you used to and be known as the person you once were, Um, so I found a lot of parallels in it, and that's what really kind of prompted me to write the book.
0: I love that. And I definitely identify with that because I'm a former healthcare worker myself. I practiced as a certified nursing assistant for 15 years. And so to lose that career um, Mm -hmm. and that identity, because I thought I'd be in that career for until I retired. And so Mm -hmm. to lose that career, not only financially to support my family, but also just with the identity of who I am and how I show up in the world. That was hard, you know, to yeah. lose that identity. Um, because we never planned on me being a stay-at-home mom. We'd planned on me being a workforce mom and just we've just planned on working opposite shifts while our daughter was young. So that way we could offset the cost of childcare. Cause let's face it, y'all, it's expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um
0: and um that identity shift of shifting from a workforce mom to a stay-at-home mom, but also a spousal caregiver under the age of 65, that was a lot to take in. And then going, okay, what do I do for money? What do I do for mm-hmm. supporting my family? And having to kind of reinvent the wheel from scratch yes. with, with, with ha- not having a BA, a master's, X amount of experience in any other industry. I basically was having to, to write my own book from the get-go. And so mm-hmm. that's where how my business was born. But man, that when you're in that season of trying to figure it out of who am I? What do I do? Is there more to me beyond my role as a caregiver and a mother? That is something that I know a lot of moms struggle with and caregivers struggle with, especially when it happens at a younger age, um, sooner than the expected age gap demographic of caring for, say, aging parents or grandparents. Um, but, and then the pandemic obviously just made things worse. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, that was, like,
0: yeah. And that, cause the pandemic also too, I thought too, was what was interesting when we had our pre-chat, um, before we recorded this episode was that, um, the timeline too hit up for us in the pandemic too. Um, my husband got sick, um, in December of 2019 and then, um, you know, by May I was going on medical leave because his health was declining so rapidly, and then by July of that same year, I was giving notice to my job and then I was really having to decide, okay, the website I, I was toying around with, okay, that's going to be my business. Yeah. What do I do? And it's interesting, three year, almost three years in now, it's way different now. It looks way different. I have a different yeah. platform and everything else. So it's evolved even further and that's fine. But um, yeah, it's just, you don't, you don't, what, life is full of so many seasons and what you think you're gonna have when you're in your 20s, your teens, or your adulthood? It, t- especially with motherhood, right? We think like, oh, I'm gonna have an easy pregnancy, I'm gonna have um, an easy time raising my kiddos, but you never think that your health is gonna um, right. plummet, that we're gonna go through a worldwide pandemic. Hello, and right. then on top of that, that our children may them, our children or our spouse may them themselves have um, an ex- an unexpected health challenge or health ch- multiple health challenges like what your son's going through. So, um, when you were, um, let's backtrack it a little bit. So when you were, um, in the thick of dealing with your chronic illness and then shifting into like, okay, what I went through with my chronic illness is impacting me in a positive way to also maybe help others. What motivated you to, well, you you talked about how you decided to write the book, but where did the coaching and some of that come into play?
1: So I was a general manager. I started out in sales as a sales manager with a heavy customer service component. It was relationship-based selling, long-term selling. Then I was running a regional office and then I was um, grew that office to several teams. And then I um, worked as a general manager for a couple other businesses um, in other industries. And so I was always though, either running a regional office or running basically a small business for someone else. So I had all the HR responsibilities, um, hiring, training, unfortunately firing. Um, one of the things that I did also was uh, develop new managers. And so I did a lot of the staff development components and I loved it. So when I, I stopped working initially, uh, when my son was little, I had I was working initially when he was a baby, and I had thyroid cancer when he was a year and a half old, and I stopped working then, and that kind of set off the chain of a cascade of more serious issues. I had had stuff going on in my 20s and 30s, like endometriosis and things of that nature, but I did not think of those as that I was someone who lived with chronic illness at that point, which is kind of interesting, but um I stayed home for several years um, in the thick of it. By the time he was four, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis and fibromyalgia. And that's when we were starting to discover he had a, a speech delay and et cetera, like the beginnings of the learning differences showing up. And um, so I stayed home for a long while. And what I found was that I am the type of person who I'm a talker. <laughs> and I like sharing and I always have. And I found that when I shared my journey, it helped me to process it. And I always felt like I ended up helping someone else. So I kind of became the person that people came to like, oh my gosh, I think something's wrong with my thyroid now. How did you know? You know, so I felt like I was doing a lot of that kind of supportive kinds of conversations naturally with family and friends and acquaintances, you know, friends of friends that would get sent to me. I dabbled with a blog for a little bit. I did some writing, a community voices thing for the the Dallas Morning News. So I guess all these little seeds were being planted here and there. And when I started, I finally went back to work. I basically was in that sort of general manager type role. Um, And it still was hard. I was working with someone who um, promised me they understood the challenges of my chronic illness. It was someone I knew well. And it worked for two years and then it didn't work. And I finally took a giant step back. And at this point, my son's in probably like upper elementary school or something. Um, I took a big step back and said, I keep trying to put myself back into the same box. And a certain part of my mind was like, when I'm better, I'll be able to go at it 40 hours a week. Again, just the same way that I used to. When I'm right, when, when. And still trying to put myself back in the same box. And so I finally realized I needed to craft a career that really, really made sense for my health and my family's needs. And corporate America, even under like a more uh, less traditional corporate America role like I was trying to do, was not going to work for me. So I took a look at what I was good at. Um, the training, hiring, the staff development, and I decided to start my own business. It was a little, initially thought i do more consulting and training, and then I switched over into more of the coaching, and um, again, I train all the time, but I realized that I could do everything I was trying to do to help someone else scale their business, to help individuals basically scale their life, you know, uh, professionally, and finding this balance between who I am and what I really need and what I want to be in the world.
0: Nice. I love that.
1: And that's so
0: interesting. Cause you know, um, when you're doing an online business, for those of you who are not in the online world, um, it really is important that obviously there's a lot of skills you do need to know, I mean, and you need to be proficient in, by any means, it, you know, there's obviously those strengths and weaknesses, you know, like, mm-hmm. I am I obviously started with a blog website as well back in the day, and uh, it's, I'm not a strong writer. <laughs> I'm more of a talker as well, but it took me a year to figure that out that I mm-hmm. don't do well, um, with just strictly writing. It's something I do want to work on though. Cause I do need to be able to be strong in that for running, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff for coaching, you know, for my right. coaching program, email marketing, you know, it is social media. It is a skill that you do one does need to know and be proficient in, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that it has to hinge totally on your writing skills I am definitely a talker too. So hence why the podcast was born, right, right, why exactly. my coaching program has been born. Um, that's that's me. I'm definitely more of an encourager. And as my business coach calls it, um, a pep talk master is what she calls <laughs> it So, our um, group. So that's more of a strength for me and that's fine. So I think it's important that um, even if you're not a mompreneur like we are, I think guys, it's important to realize what are your strengths or what are some coping strengths that can help you through that journey. Um maybe it is talking. Maybe actually you're a person that does need to have an intentional conversation with a coach or mentor like ours, like ourselves, to be able to have a safe place to just vent it out, the good, the bad, the ugly, just to get it out of your system. Or maybe you are someone who likes to journal. I do like to journal too. Um, but it's not, but I I can't solely just focus on journaling. Okay. I do need to have other outlets of talking, conversation and support yeah. that way and other resources. So what are the strengths and weaknesses that you have? What makes it easier for you to cope? Um, or how do you best cope? I should say, um, with the said resources, is it writing? Is it journaling? Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Is it listening to podcasts like this? Is it, uh, being an intensive, um, coaching group program? I'm in two, I do one for my business that I'm a part of. And then I have one that I do for my, um, uh, for my, uh, uh, wellness and Christian mm-hmm. life, you know, so I, you know, target, it is Christian based, um, and we do take it back to the, to the word of God, but at the same time, we are still actively doing, um, uh, practices, you know, for our wellness, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, that do nurture, not just our, 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 soul, but also our mind and our body as well. Cause all three are important and they're all interlinked. You can't just separate one from the other. So, um, so, Christine, um, as we're talking about our journey here, what would, what were some red flags for you that you needed to? Besides, I know obviously your your health and your family were a big priority, but for those who are dealing with um, chronic illness and balancing motherhood, what would you say to a mom who comes to you that's like I just got diagnosed, or my or my child just got diagnosed with a health issue and I'm feeling overwhelmed with trying to do deal with that situation, on top of just trying to show up and be a a a, um, a present mother and wife for my family. How do I do that? And they're feeling overwhelmed. They feel scared. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah. So I think um, one of the big things is to realize that when you get a diagnosis, whether it's for yourself or your child, it is almost like a grief process. There's the first sort of shock, sometimes relief actually, because you've known something's wrong and you don't know what it is. So sometimes Mm -hmm. actually some people feel some relief that there's a name that I'm not crazy. This wasn't all in my head because a lot of people go through that process. They've seen, you know, most when I think of things like autoimmune or what have you, most people see a lot of doctors before they get diagnosed. Um, It's not always an easy journey to even get to the root of what's going on. So sometimes there's relief, but there's also often grief. There's that fear of the unknown. Change, all kinds of change, always produces very strong um, fear-based, anxiety-based emotions. Typically, that's a sort of a well-researched first initial reactions to change. So know that it's normal, it's common, it's typical to have those big intense uh, feelings at the beginning. And then it's a journey, it's not static. Um, It's something that will evolve, but you do have to be honest about the stage of the process that you're in, right? What are my real emotions about where I am right now? And allow yourself some space to feel those things. Um, I think for me, while I try to have a positive mindset, I always do need to get my head around what's the worst case scenario here. Um, Because I need to think it through, especially as a parent. For example, when I was going through thyroid cancer, it was this big like, oh, don't worry about that. You know, like positive mindset, positive mindset. Well, being positive doesn't mean we shield from potential negative outcomes or challenges. For me, it gave me more anxiety not knowing what might happen. And I needed to be able to plan for a toddler. I mean, he was 18 months old. I wasn't able to care for him. I needed to know how challenging could it be. And the hard lessons that we learned was um, like planning on the best case scenario, right? I'll be well enough to handle him at this many hours a day. Well, that didn't turn out to be the case. There were days that were crippling, where I was sobbing on the bed, calling people who could come help me. And so we learned the hard way to plan on the worst case scenario, and then we can adjust in a positive way. And so it goes opposite of what some medical doctors, sort of how they try to frame it with their patients. Um, And I was glad that at the times that I did press, Had to do a radioactive iodine treatment. Um, And at the time, you no longer had to isolate in the hospital, but you had to, you had someone little in the house, like my son, needed to be away from them, or it could damage their thyroid, because you're basically just admitting radioactivity. And Mm -hmm. so that took some prepping and planning to be away from him for five days, right? And -hmm. basically have round the clock care to where my husband felt like he could come support and Caregive to me a little bit mm-hmm. so I was glad when I pushed because if I hadn't done my own research and planned for that worst case scenario it literally wasn't until the morning I'm sitting in radiology deep in the bowels of the hospital where you're isolated from everyone else again because this is radioactive they don't even touch the vial that the pill comes in that then they're like yeah it would be best if you're not around them and I'm like how could you tell me this right now How would anyone even feasibly have been able to make these arrangements for a baby right now? And so do your own research. Even if your doctor tells you don't do it, you're gonna scare yourself. You're gonna hear worst case scenarios. We don't wanna flood ourselves with anxiety, but I think we do need to get our heads around what we're dealing with and prepare ourselves. And you can still maintain a positive mindset while getting your head around, what might I have to contend with?
0: Exactly. And one of the, you know, what, what I teach with my prompt method guys is the first P a prompt is prepare for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and again, guys, it's not to scare you. Okay. Right. I'm not trying to add more anxiety, more, exactly. pressure, more stress too. It's for peace of mind. Something that we personally just did is we just, cause I have an aging father. I have a spouse that is 20, almost 20 years, my senior. And we, I have a four-year-old and, you know, we, we have, we have some hard challenges. So one thing we did for, um, is we took some time to have those hard conversations and we all updated our living wills and power of attorneys Mm -hmm. just for peace of mind. So the documents are up to date now. Um, and that gives me peace of mind, you know, it's, you know, like, obviously do I want anything to happen to me or my husband and not be here for my little girl or, You know, and like with my dad, do I, you know, I lost my mom almost two years ago. So do I want to, um, you know, am I wishing away my father by any means? No, I want him here as long as he can be to enjoy his granddaughter. And and because I'm only 37, I don't want my dad to go anywhere yet. I'm not ready. So, but at the same time, as a caregiver and as a daughter and as a wife and a mother, I want to be able to advocate in the, if the worst, like you say, the worst case scenario does happen. What does my father want? You know, I want to be able to advocate for him. What does my husband want? Um, as a mother, you know, what happens, you know like legally, you know like what you know how are we gonna how am I going to provide for if mm-hmm. I am by myself? Um, if something happens to us, both of us, God forbid, um, who's gonna look after and be the liaison for her? And so having that conversation with a family member right now that um, you know that we've um, that we trust, you, know, and feels comfortable with that for the season that we're in. You know, we did have that conversation and they said yes. And guys, when you're doing any planning like this, whether it's a will, whether it's power of attorney, whether it's um choosing an executive director or liaison to will be um an author an advocate for you if something does happen to you or um to help you with the stuff, even if you are present, it can change. Okay, it's a lot easier to change a document Mm -hmm. if something's already started. Versus starting from scratch and not having anything to fall back on. Okay. It's think of it as a backup plan. Like anything that I teach you guys, remember it's a backup plan. I want you to have a routine. I want you to have your self-care routine in place. So on those hard days, you have something to fall back on to help you cope. I want you to have a plan for managing your schedule. So you're not Mm -hmm. stressed. You know what's coming up. And you're allowing yourself room to take care of yourself and not overbook and not stress yourself out and stress yourself out because you're not remembering something. I want you to have that prepared for the unexpected with having your medical binder ready to go. So if something does happen with your um, sick kiddo or spouse or parent, whoever you're caring for, everything's ready to go. Medical history's there. When they last ate, they're ready to go. Um, All the uh, triggers and symptoms for their illness is ready to go. So- the EMTs, the urgent care staff, the hospital is ready to go. All these things about preparing and planning and setting yourself up for success is not to overwhelm or cause stress. It's actually to decrease stuff, decrease stress Because like Christine just got to sharing when she had peace of mind knowing like, okay, we, we're going for the best case scenario, but I have peace of mind knowing that if the worst case scenario happens, we have a plan, we're ready to go. You know, And that's what it's about. That's what I want you guys to take away from this episode is that preparation is not a bad thing it is a form of self-care both spiritually mentally and physically and emotionally and um christine if someone's just feeling like stuck on how to even get started Mm -hmm. what would be some baby steps that we could offer them i mean you you talked about how just helping us understand the mind shift Mm -hmm. perspective of like okay you know it's okay to go there it's okay to go to the worst case scenario and plan because it is a form Mm -hmm. of self-care but if that but even so like you said um a diagnosis um Mm -hmm. brings up feelings of grief feelings of anxiety you know we we do go through that how can you help um what could you say to our moms out there and caregivers out there to maybe just take a baby step okay like we know we need to go there but what's a but that can be overwhelming what's what what's three simple sh- simple shifts or baby steps that we could offer our moms to get them started in the right direction
1: i think um i talk about this a lot in the book it's thinking about what's essential to you like what are the most important pieces for you um what, what does that look like in terms of the most important things about my day-to-day life or um, what I want um, my world to be shaped like? So for example, when I stopped, wasn't working and I was a stay-at-home mom, it was important for me to still have a certain kind of professional outlet and to stay connected to other people. I realized that if I'm just home and I'm not well a lot, so I'm already kind of isolated on the days I don't feel well or the time periods I'm resting, I need to feel connected. Um, where a lot of that probably in the past came from work relationships and sort of that day-to-day routine of seeing other adults and people and leaving yep. the house. Yep. So I did a lot of volunteer work. Um, so for me, volunteering was important. I did sometimes have family and friends say like, oh, you're doing too much. You shouldn't do that. But if I had not tried to do the volunteer work, I think it would have been worse for my mental health and that side of my well-being because I think I would have been really, really lonely, to be honest. So knowing what's sort of essential to feel like yourself and be living out some of your needs and values and know that no one's gonna ever think you're quite doing it right. You know, people are gonna have their different opinions about what kind of treatment you should be doing, what you should or shouldn't be doing, how you should or shouldn't be behaving. Um, So you have to get really clear on what's important to you and your family in terms of your wants and your needs and your must haves, if you will, because that's all that really matters. We want support, we want understanding, But it's not always going to come from where you want or expect it. I have a very supportive family and a lot of really good friends that I've known a long time that have been with me on the journey. But not everyone's going to get it, you know. And that would be the other thing I would say is to try to, as hard as this is, shake off the need for everyone to get it. Because they're just not. They're just not it's too hard if you haven't lived it yourself. Even things like my son having dyslexia, people think they know what dyslexia is, and they really don't know, right? So they have sort of this layman's loose knowledge. And sometimes they'll try to like, give advice rather than just listen. And that's what I think you'll learn is that a lot of people, while they mean well, It's that difference between like sympathy and empathy and so not everybody can fully step into the empathy that you're looking for you've got to find those few people that can and we don't want to overburden them but you've got to release this need for like everybody to get it absolutely and
0: i think that's really important is like um you can look at this in the you can look at this two ways both um just personally and professionally obviously with building an online business, not everyone understands the process of building an online business. Like you and I could top shop shop about it. easily, Okay. Cause we get it, we get it. Right. But our family and friends may not totally get it. And so that's why having a coach or a mentor in a business coaching group for me has been a lifesaver because they actually get it. I have someone who's more knowledgeable about how to be in the online space and just other people who are in those in the season where I'm at, or who have been, maybe they might be a little bit ahead, but they're still part of the same community of, you know what, I've been there, you got this, you know, you need that you need to be around like minded people. The same is true with chronic illness, guys. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, uh-huh. whether it's IBS, whether it's hypothyroidism, whether it's epilepsy, whatever your chronic illness is, this is the little plug, hello, that you need to get into a, a support group yeah. or some sort of support, um, whether it's one person that you know that you connect with that's um, ongoing with that relationship type struggle. Or it's a, it's not, it's a group and get creative. Okay. There's no right or wrong way. Maybe it's working with a coach or mentor like me or Christine that have both dealt with chronic illness and motherhood and yada, yada, yada. And caregiving, you know, either for a child, like from Christine's perspective or with a spouse like mine or aging parent, or maybe it is just a mom's group. You know, there's so many things, your church, your community center, look online okay we're in an age where there's a lot more remote things but think about it if you're de- if your spouse is sick or if you're sick or if your kiddo has health needs leaving your home is probably not being you know you can't for certain things you can't leave your home a lot you know for lack of um uh or the not the lack but the the danger i'm going to put it that way the danger of exposing your family or yourself right. to other um health Blare ups and problems triggering triggering your illness triggers let's say mm-hmm. triggers more triggers to your a said illness with your child, your spouse, or even yourself. So being home full time is not because you want to be home and isolated, but it's out of safety. It's out of safety, and so getting creative with how you build your support network. That's what I call it. So remember, so the second P, so the second P is you know, or um, the R in prompt is reaching out for support. So building your support network. How can you be creative with building your support network through your church, through your community center, um, your network of family or friends? Maybe it is online. Uh, you know, Facebook is huge. They have a ton of fa- a ton of online yeah. groups there. Personally, none have really worked for me, um, but that's okay. I've found support in other outlets. So there's more than one way to skin a cat, but I want you to think about it and start doing a little research of where are some ways I can get a little bit of support, even if it's one day a week. Like for me... I have my mom's group on Wednesdays at church that I go to, but then throughout the week, I'm part of my um, Christian intensive group coaching, um, female group that I'm a part of. So I get a lot of spiritual and emotional support there. But then also too, um, for the business side, again, like I said before, I have my business coaching group and there's moms and stuff in there too, that deal with, have dealt with um, uh, health issues with their kids and their spouses as well. So So oddly enough, it's become another um, support network in that sense, personally, not just professionally. So you never know where you're going to find it, but I just want you being curious and taking action with building a support network. Cause y'all, you're going to need it sooner than later. Crap's going to hit the fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you need like multi-layers and sometimes the, the, the one used to work and now you need something different. I, for me, um, just like you said, when I was at my worst, I'm in bed, the online groups were a godsend um, to have other people who got it, um, who understood, and it didn't require a lot from me, right? You know, I could go on, I could read passively, or I could comment and share, and just reading and researching, um, you know, books even are a part of our support tools, and I think that's important. You need multi-layers, and I guess this was the other tip I was thinking about, and you and it was touched on it, You have to ask for help. You can't assume that people see you're, that you're drowning. Yes. You can't assume that they know how to best help you. Lots of people do want to help. They're not sure how. So, um, you have to ask for help and you have to be sort of specific sometimes, right? About what it is that you do need help with. And a lot of people that is vulnerable, a lot of people like to be the one who's the helper. And so then to be the one who needs help can be uncomfortable. Um, and you may not always be able to repay one-on-one the person who helped you. But to me, it's one of those pay it forward kinds of situations. If we're all helping others where we can, it all kind of gets paid back if you will. Um, but you have to, you have to ask for help sometimes, oftentimes. Yeah. And again, like
0: with any marathon, like we remember, we're talking about in the form of a marathon, this journey is a marathon. Mm -hmm. It is not a sprint. And so obviously the forms of help that you get, it's going to like, like Christine said, guys, it's going to come in different, it's going to come in waves. And it's okay when I'm like, for example, using your, your emergency contacts, you know, who is on that list that, you know, you know, like if you get in a pinch right now, like with your kid, with childcare, Mm -hmm. um, with transportation, you know, with even just sitting with your spouse or your kiddo. Um, so you can go leave the house for, uh, for an hour or something. Who are those people in your back pocket and friends and family, maybe people in your Mm -hmm. church or congregation of faith that you can lean into? Um, are you in a season where maybe you need even more help than that? If you're for the caregiving side, are you in a season where the caregiving duties are becoming so massive that it's time to look at palliative care, home mm-hmm. health, hospice? Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the resources, and they can, you know, or even just online grocery delivery. Hello, yes. I know there's oh a, oh yes. but yeah, do it, do it. Okay, you know, like um, for us, where depend on where you all live. I live in I live in Idaho in the states, and where I live, you know, Fred Meyer, Albertsons, you know, they offer, um, Walmart, they offer the option of either ordering ordering your groceries online and having and then picking them up for free so then you don't have to go around the grocery store all you got to do is just open the back of your car and they uh, and the and a, um, um, a store um, employee will put them into your car for you or you can opt for somebody pay a little bit extra and have them actually delivered to your front door so either way you're saving yourself what an hour and a half two hours of driving to the store doing all the shopping, and then all you have to worry about is just either picking it up and and then putting them away or even just putting it away altogether. If you're having an off day, it's okay. That's a form of self-care. If you don't have the mental capacity, I don't know, guys, I don't know how many times where like maybe my husband's had a day where I've had to rush him into the ER because of maybe a a concern of a concussion or I'm just not feeling good or my daughter's having an off day and the last thing I want to do is drag her around the store. Guys, it's okay to do that. <laughs> Leverage what whatever resources you can. What you know, because there's a lot out there. Okay, um, that might work for you in the season that you're in. Whether it's grocery pickup, um, hiring someone else to do your lawn. Um, another one would be house. The, the other two I really drive home are. Um, What is a weekly task or monthly task that you can just outsource to somebody else? Outsourcing is huge for us because of my father's health, my husband's health, and because of the load I have with caring for three people and running a business and my own health. Hello, a lot. um, We choose to hire um, someone to clean our house every two weeks. And then we have other help that comes in on a weekly basis. So, but that's the season we're in. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing with our yard work. My husband used to do yard work for my For my parents, we live with my dad now, but when my mom was still alive, he would help out over the summer and do it. But that was before he got sick. But now it's not safe for him to do that because if he had a seizure, you know, and he's pushing that lawnmower, it could be dangerous, right? And also the heat, the heat, you know, thinking about just him being out in the heat now, it's not a good idea either. You know what I mean? So I think it's very, very important that you look at realistically what can you do to lighten the bird for yourself as the mother and the person maybe who's sick or the caregiver but also too if you're also the caregiver for somebody and the mom for somebody who's sick what can you do to make it easier for them to decrease Mm -hmm. their stress because you have to think through the lens too about what is too much for them um for my husband it's stress so if i'm stressed because i'm trying to do the housework the laundry the errands everything if I so, it's important for me, it's on me to try to leverage those resources that help me do that in a more per- efficient manner with less stress, less overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And then it's not so chaotic and it doesn't impact my husband, it doesn't impact my dad, it doesn't impact my little girl. So, think about it from that standpoint. So, um, it's so important, guys. I know this is can, can feel like a mouthful when we're dealing with the, the, anxiety and the stress that comes with these feelings, but it's so important that we start and we have this open conversation yeah. with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves about what we need in the season that we're in. And it's important that we open our mouth, like Christine's saying, to family, friends, our leaders of faith, our congregations, um, uh researching groups, even just like Christine said, leverage online support. You know, it's from the comfort of your bed if you're having an off day or the home you know, you know, it's, you don't have to worry about getting ready to leave the house, you know, and guys, honestly, if you, if, if you, for a little disclaimer, if you ever do a call with me, I don't care if you're in your jammies, I'd rather (laughs) you just be, just show up and just, you know, just come as you are and let's just talk. Let's just give you a safe place to talk because that's what it's about. So, um, Christine, what is something that we've talked about either in our conversation today, or maybe just what is something that maybe you could share that's just really resonated with you through the ups and downs of this marathon journey? Because let's face it, we have our good days, we have our bad days. Yeah. And sometimes it's in those, there's in, in those, especially harder days, there's something that just resonates us, um, res- resonates with us, excuse me, to keep going. So how, what can we give our moms out there who are listening and our caregivers who are listening something that can just resonate with them to keep, to, to, to encourage them to keep going, even though I'm sure they don't want to keep going <laughs> to some degree because yeah, it's so yeah. overwhelming. It's so scary. Yeah. What can we, let's give them a little bit of encouragement. So what do you got?
1: I'm going to give two things. Okay. One I am going to say is that my son is now 19. Okay. And we're in our senior year of high school. So I'm going into a whole nother season. Um, now we're worrying about having the right forms so that we can know what's going on with him because he's technically an adult, right? So Seasons is the word, but what I wanna say is, things will shift. Um, you do what you can, like we're talking about, um, to cope. But things around you are gonna change. Life marches on and in ways that you won't expect. I can remember going through a time period where people are like, you're so much healthier now. Like, what have you done? Like, oh, you're, is your disease and diseases, whatever, in remission? And it was like, no, my son's older. My husband now does the vacuuming. I long stopped grocery shopping and got everything delivered or ordered or picked up. And so these kinds of changes sometimes start to stack on themselves and all of a sudden things look different in ways you would never expect or imagine. So hold on to hope. It is seasons and they do shift and change. Um, The other one I would say that I keep thinking about while we're talking is rhythms versus routines. What drives me a little bonkers in the coaching world is get up at five in the morning and you have your morning routine and every day you do everything exactly the same. That does not work for chronic illness. That doesn't work for some people with neurodivergencies like ADHD and they're wide awake at one in the morning and dead asleep at five, right? So some of the best practices that again, there's good reason why they're best practices They may not make sense for us, and that's okay. That's having that faith and you know yourself, and you know your family, and again, what you need and want most. So rhythms versus routines. It's okay if it's not exactly the same every day. Yes, with little ones, we try to keep it a lot that way, but it's a basic rhythm of might be slightly shift in the time schedule, but we kind of do the same things in the same order, right? So... Um, rhythms for your own self versus an exact routine. Um, I stretch every day. It may not be the same time every day, but it's part of my daily rhythm, right? For me, some routines that I have in the afternoon might be what other people do in the morning from typical coaching advice. But that's sort of that time period where I sort of may not necessarily have peak energy anymore, but it's a good time for me to recenter, recharge, lay down and rest for a while. so that's a good time for me to um, meditate or journal or make my lists of what have I done, what do I still need to do. So rhythms versus routines, I think can kind of again free us up into a little bit more realistic in some of that creative thinking that we need to cope well with our lives.
0: I love that. Rhythms versus routine. And you know, I I that is perfect because like this morning, Some I have my alarm, my alarm, the time limit that I give myself every day to wake up is 6am. But there is a season I've had multiple days where I've just had days where I just don't sleep, you know, Mm -hmm. I I get up early and I'm awake at four or five. And so I get up and I start my routine earlier. So it's not the same every day, but I give myself the limit of six because I start my office hours technically at seven. So from seven to 11, because I don't even work a full 40 hours. I work like maybe 20 hours a week. (laughs) So, and that's fine. So this the season i'm in with having a small child and trying to make it fair to where i'm not just burdening my dad and my husband all the time with watching our daughter you know type thing so you know it's the season so think about that season what is realistic it's going to change when she goes to school have more time that's okay we're not there yet so rhythms versus routines so what are some non-negotiable times even if so i would take a step further so even if it's just 15 minutes Mm -hmm. what is some non-negotiable um non-negotiable Things that you can put in your rhythm every day that you do, whether you get them done at the same time every day or not, but mm-hmm. are non negotiable that help you cope. So for me, it's my time with the Lord. So I did, I woke up at six o'clock. I was in here by 6 30 in my office. So from 6 30 to seven, I had my devotional time. But then, like last week, I had days where I was up here at, um, I got up at like more like four, 4 30 because I couldn't sleep. And then I, but I had a longer devotional time that was for like an hour because I just needed it. I just spent a little more time writing up my prayers and just diving into my devotional lesson for the day and researching that a little bit because I needed that because it was just really resonating and it just was speaking to what I need in my soul. And then I started work. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be the same. Okay. But I do think at the same time, rhythms versus routines. Yes. It doesn't have to be the same every day, but there needs to be some things in there. I think that are non-negotiable with how, for me, it's my, it's, it's um, 15 minutes of movements at some point throughout the day. If I can mm-hmm. A walk is usually what I do, or even if it's just five minutes, like my Christian, one of my Christian life coaches, um, she says 15 minutes of movement every day is good, but you can maybe do five minutes of stretching here, five minutes of stretching yeah. there, five minutes of walk there, five minutes of walk there it's something if it's still if you still get that 15 minutes throughout the day it still counts it doesn't have to be all clustered together if you can cluster it together awesome if not break it up mm-hmm. <laughs> you know same you know like so um water hydration um mm-hmm. i got my tumbler with me <laughs> <laughs> to get my water in and i can take it with me throughout the day whatever's going on so whether i'm in the car whether i'm at home so what are some non-negotiable self-care things and coping things that you can do is it journaling is it Time with the Lord? Is it practicing another faith? Is it movement? What are some non-negotiable things that you want to intentionally get done every day that you know you need to cope physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but they're flexible. Mm-hmm. They can go with the rhythms for the ways. How, how hard, are, let's use this visualization. How hard are the rays crashing on you today?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How hard is it hitting you? Is it hitting you so hard that you don't have time to do a full 15 minutes of walking or stretching? Maybe you can get five in. Five is better than nothing. Is it a season where you don't have time for the Lord, but maybe you can um, spend time. I know there's times for me, but like I don't get my full time of journaling, prompt journaling in and really diving into the lesson, but even just reading the verse and just um, acknowledging that and just taking something away from that for a moment of encouragement, even if it's just five minutes, that's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. That gives me something. Something is better than nothing. And having something that you can fall back on when the raves are crashing and are really hard for in that moment, in that, in that day is better than nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christine, this conversation has been so good. I am so excited. This is so good. Um, so Christine, where can we find more Christine Horstman? If we want to follow <laughs> up with your work, um, if my yeah. moms are interested in working with you or just learning more about your work and following you, where can we find more Christine
1: Horseman? Yeah. So, um, My website is paperdollcommunication.com. It's a mouthful, all one big, fat, long word if you typed it in, paperdollcommunication.com. There's a link to my book on there. My book is about this. It's uh, Coping with Chronic Illness and Life's Curveballs. It's not just for chronic illness. Of course, I talk about that piece. But the truth is chronic illness pretty much affects every family at some point, whether you're the one with it or you're the caregiver. Um, But it's about those big and small changes we go through in life and being able to ride the waves, like you're saying, whether they're crashing down or we're kind of going pretty smooth for a while. So it's deal with it, doll, coaching yourself through crisis. There's a link on the website. It's on Amazon. Uh, Instagram's a good place at chris.horstman and LinkedIn. For those of you um, a little bit more focused on the professional side, or um, on LinkedIn as your form of social media. I'm fairly active there as well. I'm wearing a little bit more of the straight up career coaching, professional development side over there, but also the work life balance piece.
0: Awesome. I'm excited. Okay, guys, if you're watching on Spotify, YouTube, um, uh, my website, whatever. Um, the link will be in the description below to all the, all the goodies that Christine shared. And so yeah, definitely check out her book. And obviously guys um, I have some stuff coming too. I have, um, there's some other books that I'm diving into their caregiving wise that I will um, hopefully be able to share with you soon too on the podcast and link those in the description as well, because they're really good and caregiving and reading is just really important. So reading books, knowledge is power knowledge is power. And so as your coach and as your mentor, it's very important to me that I give you resources, both through the guests that I feature for season two. I cannot believe season two is almost booked out. That is so exciting. I'm so excited. And also just with um, what I offer to on my side of the website. So if, for those of you listening, if you're just in a season where you're realizing, you know what, I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared. I have no clue what I'm doing. No prior history. Um, with uh, healthcare related, um, being in the healthcare workforce, I want to help you. So in the link below, there will be a link to a free support call with me. Um, nothing's off, nothing, everything's on the table. So whether it's dealing with your self-care, getting a routine around your home, your schedule, getting a routine for managing your spouse's illness, or maybe your your, your illness or your child's illness, let's come up with a plan. Let's chat and it's safe. And, I, and again, I don't care if you show up in your PGs or not. I just want to have this invite, this intentional conversation where we can talk and we can get you set, set up for success long-term. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the caregiver coffee chat podcast. Be sure to make sure that you are liking and following and subscribing on all major platforms and stay tuned tomorrow because I have a special bonus episode with Rashawn Dundee, who is um, the co-founder of uh, Memory.co. And we have a special project that we're working on that we hope to drop later this summer. So, but if you want all the juicy details, you're going to have to subscribe and follow So that way you can catch that episode dropping tomorrow. All right, guys. Well, remember that you're doing the best you can. Nobody knows your family better than you do. Give yourself grace on those hard mom and caregiver days. And remember that you're allowed to give yourself grace. When the waves crash and fall, and it feels like, and you feel like you have no way out because you do have a way out. All right, guys. Christine, thank you for being on the episode today. And I will see you guys in the next episode of the Caregiver Copy Chat podcast. Take care, guys.